Hey, Real Nerds listeners. There's many ways you can interact with the Real Nerds podcast. You can email us at realnerds at gmail.com. You can hit us on Twitter at Real Nerds. You want to check us on Facebook? You can. Just look for Real Nerds Podcast. You want to leave us a voicemail? Just call 720-6NERDS5. You want to listen to our episodes? You can check us out on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Hi, this is Dave Callahan, creator of Jean-Claude Van Johnson. And this is Peter Atencio, the director of Jean-Claude Van Johnson, and you're listening to the Real Nerds Podcast. This is Real Nerds Podcast, officially the official podcast of Denver Pop Culture Con 2020, Thanksgiving edition. I am Ryan, coming to you live-ish on Zoom. I'm with Brad and Zach and Corinne. Hello, everybody. Yo, what up? And uh, Kellen is here, too. He got a voodoo doll that's called a Zoombie. Um, You can't see it because he's not holding it in front of the camera. Um, There's his hand. And there's it kind of. Um, so yeah, every week we go see a new movie and we podcast our experience of the world. Except this week we're seeing uh, Predator Two, as requested by one of our listeners. Uh, so we'll talk about Predator Two. We'll also talk about movies we've been watching, a little bit of movie news, some Blu-rays, and uh, I was gonna run this by you guys. I was thinking next week we could go back to a normal episode because I want to watch the. Uh, Chris Hemsworth extraction movie mm. that's on Netflix that I heard is pretty awesome. So, sure. uh, so I think next week we'll go back to traditional one. And then I also think the following week, the uh, stay at home order is going to be completely gone. So um, maybe the around theaters the, be open. Yeah. Uh, well, I was thinking maybe a 90 film explosion or something. We can, uh, we don't have to do zoom as much anymore. Yeah. I don't want to do these film explosions unless we're all in the same room. So yeah, that's um, what I, yeah, uh, but we'll play it. I mean, there's technically the Colorado one ends tomorrow, and I think Jefferson County is the in Denver County, and Denver County is the eighth, and Arapaho I think is tomorrow as well. So there's only a few counties that are kind of hanging back. Um, it's so mostly the Denver metro area. Yeah, so we're getting there, guys. We're getting there. It's it's only been six weeks. I'm I'm digging the fans making requests. Like that's yeah, it's, like we could do that too. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we'll we'll play it by ear. We'll see how it goes. Only request awesome movies, though. Nothing yeah. stupid. Uh, the best episodes are the stupid ones where you make fun of them. Yes, too right. <laughs> is why I'm proposing Dick Tracy because it's a good movie, but it could also be really goofy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not. I mean, dark, I, I, I mean, I can awesome. I can stream it on Disney Plus. I don't know if I want to watch it though. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. It's fun. Do you? I, mean, I haven't seen it in so long. I, I, I have it on Blu-ray. It, it's fun. It's just, but it is goofy. Like that makeup is ridiculous, but I like it. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I mean, it's worth another visit. It's based yeah. on a comic strip. Like it is. Yeah. How uh, elaborate could you get in a comic strip? I guess. 
Yeah, but I mean, you can make a badass movie about gangsters and stuff. It doesn't necessarily have to adhere that strictly to the comic like that movie does. Yeah. Hey, Brian, isn't yeah. Pinocchio celebrating its like 80th anniversary this year? It is. Mm. So I is the Joker. Seen it in a long time. Yeah, the Joker is too. I was supposed Joker. to be getting my 100 page character. Joker comic book this week, but I don't think I get it till May now. Yeah, is uh, coins cards still closed or? Yeah, they're. Uh, Are they, they doing they would, pickups? I don't think so. I haven't seen anything um, on their Facebook page. Uh, I'm hoping yeah, that after May 8th they'll uh, be open again. Yeah, they uh, ended the Ninja Turtles run, so until this thing's over. So yeah, yeah, I got I the just, last book sitting there for me. I I, I uh, read online that. Um, the new comics are going to be distributed May 15th. But not through Diamond, right? Through <laughs> yeah. Ancillaries, I guess? Uh, no, Diamond is. Um, oh. But, uh, yeah, well, what do you call it? Um, but, yeah, you're right. DC enlisted a couple other places, like Midtown Comics, are going to help distribute, which I think is good because there shouldn't be one company that does it anyways. Yeah. And if all else fails, Ryan and I will start our own business distributing comics. You know? I mean, That's right. I mean, I don't know. I mean, do you know anything about business, Ryan? Uh, well, I mean, I did used to run Qdobas, and they made millions of dollars. So, yeah, I do. There you <laughs> go. And I know some things about comics. So let's do this. <laughs> yeah, no, I actually do know things about business. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Anyways, everybody else is doing okay. Yeah. Korean, you have a weird look on your face like you want to say something to us, but you don't you don't want to say something. No, not yet. <laughs> yeah. I love how you, uh, you were on uh, Facebook. You were like, you're never going to watch Predator. And it's like... <laughs> Did sure. you watch Predator? I mean, I didn't watch Predator, but I watched Predator 2 because that really was did. the movie of the week. You really watched Predator 2? I really did. Wow, that's surprising to me. You know, well, every, once in, every yeah. once in a while. Every once in a while. I wanted to be able to participate in the conversation. Good, and you should expand your movie watching exactly. um, horizons. Does this qualify as a catching the classics? <laughs> like, I mean, it is old. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about it. I had, um, I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyways, um, let's start off with uh, slim picking of news. It's real news. So yeah, uh, more pushbacks. Um, Spider-Man has been pushed to 2021, um, the the Homecoming Far From Home sequel. Uh, consequently, uh, Thor: Love and Thunder got pushed to um, uh, a year a year out, and then so did uh, Multiverse of Madness, Doctor Strange sequel. So it seems like everything on Disney's end had to get pushed in order to accommodate what Spider-Man's going to set up. Well, no, I, I think it's more of um, the phase they're working through because the uh, Spider-Man took over Thor's previous spot and Thor went into February of 2022 and they're putting out five Marvel movies in 2022. So, right. um, so it goes a Spider-Man then Thor, and then I think it's uh, Multiverse of Madness, then Captain Marvel 2, and what's the last one? I think Black Panther 2. 
I forget how the it yeah. shakes out. Yeah, and I uh, I wanted to clarify. So it's uh, Thor: Love and Thunder is getting pushed up a week to February eleventh, twenty twenty two. Yeah. Um. So, but yeah. Um. But my and, guess is that's because of the story they're telling, because um, Spider Man has to happen obviously before Thor or something. And you already knew Spider-Man was in trouble because they were supposed to start Uncharted, which Tom Holland was starring in with Sony. And they were <laughs> they filmed one day and then they shut it down. So Uncharted took Spider-Man's spot and they pushed Spider-Man um, to November, which bumped Thor to February. This, this Uncharted movie will never happen, right? I know, I know. It's, I... St- We've talked about this since I first started coming on this show. It's had it's seven directors. <laughs> yeah. I remember yeah. when David uh, James hate this, hates this guy, O'Russell was going to do it. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, no. And um, also Mission Impossible 7 and 8 have gotten pushed back completely. So yeah. uh, that makes uh, total sense because 7 got shut down early on. Yeah. Well, I think they're into 7, but it's one of those things where um, – they weren't going to be able to finish it and get the effects done, I think, in time. Mm-hmm. Because even if they ramp back up, then they still probably have two or three more months of shooting for just probably part seven. And then they got to go edit it. Then they got to put in the effects. And then they have to have it ready for, was it originally June next year? Yeah. So. Um, so and yeah. with all the movies are pushing to next year, I, I, I see why they're doing it. What are you going to yeah. do? I mean, this year is the year that Invisible Man will win Best Picture. And that's, just, that's just the world we live in, and I love it. No, it's going to be Sonic. <laughs> Maybe Birds of Prey, special. guys. Birds of Prey. Birds of Prey. I, you know, I, I bet Birds of Prey gets nominated for editing and uh, costuming. And effects. And yeah. effects, yeah. Best Supporting Actor, Best Actress. I, I yeah. like all these decisions, guys. Yep. Margot Robbie's amazing in it. She is. Watch that movie. It's really yeah. good. I don't know why people didn't go. Anyway, also, it's not really news, but it's something I want. Ryan, you want Bruce Campbell in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Of course, I want Bruce Campbell at everything. You want him as the main villain, don't you? Because I do. I want him at everything. All right. Well, so it's, it's, it's something that fans are wanting. They're pushing for it online. And I say give the fans this one thing. Just give it. Just give this to me, please. Have they, uh, have they announced who uh, the villain is? Is it Nightmare? Uh, they de- it's it seems like they didn't say, but they were pushing for him to be a specific guy. I'm, I don't remember the reason. Wouldn't I was- it be that guy that Chiwetel Ejiofor played? Oh, he's in it, so that's Baron Mordo. Mordo or whatever. Is this yeah. like Mephisto or Mister Marvel or something? If it's Mephisto, um, that's awesome. That's you know the Satan. <laughs> That'd be awesome. I think that's what. Uh, the, yeah, I think that's what someone. Mister Sin- Mister Sinister is who who people oh. want him to be. Mr. Sinister, um, he's an old X-Men villain. Yeah, which I have no idea. Yeah, so I'm I'm a little lost because I don't He's an interesting character. Him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so... I think Campbell playing the devil makes more sense. Yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> more entertaining. <laughs> I would love to see him. Mephisto is one of my favorite Silver Age villains just because he's all-powerful and he's basically Satan and he uh, fucks with everybody's life and yeah, it's pretty fun. See, if I was Raimi, I'd be like, you know... Hey, Marvel, like Scott Derrickson, you know, you're, you're on a time crunch, so you're going to give me whatever I want. And w- what I want is Bruce Campbell in a leading role. So, <laughs> um, there's where your head's at. CBR did a, uh, did a list of characters he could play. Number nine, Merlin. Number eight, Silver Dagger. 
Number seven, Pip the Troll. <laughs> Number six, Thunder Frog. <laughs> Number five, Eternity. Number four, Nightmare. Uh, three, Mephisto. Two, Agamotto. Uh, and number one, just have him be Mysterio. <laughs> That's <laughs> he was supposed to be. <laughs> Which I'm not opposed to that, because if Raimi's going to come on board, he can throw all his Spider-Man 4 ideas into this movie. Well, technically, he could be a Mysterio in a different multiverse. Yeah, they said specifically Earth 96, 283. So, yep. um, That's a Tobey Maguire one. Yep. So uh, that could be cool. The picture that they have for that um, in this article is of a fat Mephisto or of, of Mysterio. Like he's just got a big old gut. Nice. So I'm just like, I mean, Bruce Campbell, you know, I, it just, it sounds like a great idea. Give Bruce Campbell some work guys. His Instagram page is awesome. Cause he p- posts pictures of nature. <laughs> and I love it. <laughs> uh, and that's news. Unless there's anything I missed. Avatar The Last Airbender, the TV series, is coming to Netflix. Yeah. So watch Avatar The Last Airbender on Netflix. I haven't seen the full show yet. Oh, it's such a great show. I know. The only thing I've seen of uh, Last Airbender of any kind was that Shyamalan movie that came out. Uh, Oh, gosh. It didn't deter me from wanting to watch the show. I just just never got around to it. So, But now it's on Netflix, so I have no excuses anymore. I've seen about 12 episodes. It's pretty fun. Yeah. Anyway, we do have Blu-rays, though. DVD releases and Blu-rays. Well, Brad, your wish has come true, and uh, you're going to get Grand Budapest Hotel on Criterion Blu-ray this week, I imagine? Nope, I'm going to wait for the 50% off sale, finally. Ah, okay. I always fresh out and buy the Wes Anderson Criterions, and then I think like a month later, they do a 50% off sale. I'm like, damn it! (laughs) I I think... uh, the Barnes and Noble sale is July and November, if I remember right. Yeah, yeah. so we'll have to wait a little bit, but uh, I'm glad it's here because it's, it's been way too long. Yeah. And well, now, like, man, what is it with Criterion that every single Wes Anderson movie, or seemingly all of them, are part of that collection? They have their favorite directors, like yeah, uh, Hitchcock and Jim Jarmusch, and uh, yeah, but not every single Alfred Hitchcock movie is a part of that collection. Well, because not every Alfred Hitchcock <laughs> movie is going to get licensed to Criterion, but yeah. there's a lot of Hitchcock stuff that's not specifically owned by a studio that Criterion can get their hands on easily. Yeah, uh, I think Terrence Malick goes out there. Yeah, Malick yeah. does. I don't know how his new one's going to come out through Criterion because that's a Fox movie that then got technically acquired by Disney. So unlikely that that's going to go to criterion but um but yeah i mean like spike lee's been doing his stuff over there recently david lynch does a lot of his stuff oh too. yeah david lynch yeah yeah so they've got they've got their directors on tap like i mean shoot um marriage story is getting a criterion and that's a netflix movie yeah um, they're doing new stuff yeah an irishman they won't do Ballad of Buster Scruggs because the world hates me, but that's okay. <laughs> so. I bet they will eventually. It seems like there's gonna they're gonna have a couple more rounds of it because I really want the Merowitz stories. Yeah. Well, if they wait too much longer on Ballad of Buster Scruggs, they'll need to come to me for permission. And I'll be like, only if I can do the fan commentary because the Coens <laughs> aren't gonna do the commentary, but I'll do it. Um, I actually did a deep dive into the history of Criterion. It's really fascinating. They uh they're the first ones to add bonus content to movies yep. so laser disc yeah and laser disc and they made laser discs till the year 1999 
mm-hmm. which trips me out. And their first laser discs were uh, Citizen Kane and King Kong. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's really it was a really fascinating trip down their rabbit hole. That that King Kong laser disc is one I would love to have. I know I don't have a way to play it, but I would just want it. Um, and then actually Kevin Smith's early commentaries, he talks a lot about different laser discs and criterion stuff and whatnot. So, and in fact, the, um, uh, I actually, no, I don't think there was a laser disc edition of chasing Amy's criterion. I can't, it was, it was, so there was a DVD and laser disc. Okay. If you get the Blu-ray or the DVD, they actually introduce it as a laser disc. (laughs) Oh, yeah, one of the Blu-rays, yeah, has the LaserDisc commentary transferred over recently. I forget which thing it is. Lovely. Um, but yeah, there's also a lot of, like, there's also a lot of other titles coming out um, that are non-criterion. Um, uh, Arrow's putting out Elvira, Mistress of Darkness, uh, the Elvira movie, um, which oh. I've never seen before. I do, I have that coming. I forgot I pre-ordered that, like, six months ago. Is it Arrow? Arrow? Yeah. It came out on, uh, I think, Shout recently too a bunch of my friends are posting about it hmm. Hmm. interesting um i'll go to the internet <laughs> find out for me vinegar syndrome is putting out a movie called deadline from 1984 um which i have never seen before but uh uh this this sounds uh totally totally awesome uh, a screenwriter a... begins to lose the ability to distinguish between his fantasies and reality with disastrous results as he thinks about what this about what this could mean, his wife and his children begin to worry if he's become insane. Hmm. So yeah, pretty cool, guys. There's a Nevis version of this film called Deadline. There is. So they yeah. oh so so they so they're stealing your thunder. Yeah, I'm I'm emailing my lawyers right now. Okay, gotcha. Good good on you, Brad. I'm glad you're doing that. Yeah, there's um, a, a like a I don't know like a cheapo Elvira Blu-ray at Target. No. <laughs> So it yeah, wasn't okay. a shout factory, but yeah, the, the better one's probably the Arrow one for sure. Arrow does a great job putting out stuff. Uh, and then Vinegar Syndrome is also putting out Olivia um, from 1983. And it's a picture of a woman in a red dress and then her face close up and then behind her, a skull version of her face. Mm. What is the mystery of Olivia? That's not the tagline. That's my tagline that I made up for this movie. It'd be awesome if it said Olivia and it was dot 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 let's get physical <laughs> A- any olivia newton john fans out there yep no. anybody knock knock hello uh right, olivia right. we can john. We... <laughs> olivia newton john fun fact that was originally written for rod stewart but he said the song was too stupid for him to sing <laughs> you know and what? he was wrong no he's not wrong, wrong. <laughs> no that's that song is stupid <laughs> um that, that was funny. Uh, Dark Force Entertainment's putting out Kill or Be Killed, the greatest martial arts movie ever made, exclamation point, uh, from 1976. I've never heard of this movie. Uh, so um, maybe I'll check it out. I don't know. Uh, what in the world? Are we- oh, no. Please. Please don't, Brad. Keep going. Please don't. Yeah. No. Yeah. Okay. This is in the background, but you, you can do your job. That's fine. Shout oh Factory is putting out the Lost uh, Continent from 1968. Like, naked. Um, so, ah. uh, yeah, another Shout Factory you can check out. Uh, looks like that the big new release this week, I guess, is Guns Akimbo, that Daniel Radcliffe film that uh, found itself embroiled prior to the shutdown and whatnot. Um, yeah, don't so, be a shitty director. Yeah, <laughs> don't, I guess don't so. be an asshole. 
If you want to see it, though, I guess now's your chance to pick up a physical copy of it. Uh, there's a two-movie collection of Bad Boys and Bad Boys 2. Um, oh, I guess also it is Bad Boys for Life as well, so you can get the the trilogy all in one place, guys. So uh, there's your chance to do that. Um, uh, Warner Archive is putting out Blood on the Moon from 1948. features Robert Mitchum, Barbara Bel Geddes of uh, Vertigo fame, and Robert Preston. Uh, you can... Uh, give that a look, see. see oh, we we forgot the biggest piece of news is Warner Archive is now following us. Yes, actually, that is the biggest piece of news this week. Following uh, Real Nerds on Facebook, Twitter? Facebook. 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 They are cool. following that means because they'll send Brian us stuff. has been beautiful at reporting their great work. Yep. And they're, they're really cool. They actually uh, always post my articles on their website. Yep. And their feeds. And they, and I'm sure they will continue to do great work because I'm sure that Daffy Duck 101 is coming out. Isn't it, Warner Archives? Isn't it? Uh, what is Olivia uh, is John doing? Fuck. <laughs> I what? don't like, know. It's all coming she's like in like beating sections, the shit out so... of this fat guy. <laughs> I didn't know Olivia Newton-John was in Dexter. <laughs> um, it looks like Dexter's Kill Room. This whole oh, like, oh, okay. now, like now 80s aesthetic with like the black background and the white tiling framing and everything have you guys ever seen music and lyrics no oh, the hugh grant movie One. yeah I would, I yeah hugh that. grant drew barrymore i think anyway yeah. so his character is like this former 80s pop star and yeah. the whole like first three minutes of the movie is like a fake 80s song and it's actually really good like some of the music in the movie is legitimately good have to see that one again. I, I I saw it once and I forgot about it. Um, it looks like Sony, the holodeck. I'm sure Henry could tell you about it. It does kind of look like the holodeck. <laughs> Ew! Is she drinking from the shower head? She's she's pulling a flash dance. Oh, what a feeling! Come on. Um, Sony is putting out Radio Flyer from 1992 out on Blu-ray, the Richard Donner movie with Elijah Wood. Um, I've never seen Radio Flyer. It's a good uh, one. But I like Richard Donner, so maybe I'll check it out. Um, I think probably Sony's biggest release this week, though, is My Girl and My Girl 2 on Blu-ray uh, through their um, uh, re-release. They made a sequel like, to that movie? Yeah, they did. Uh, obviously, Macaulay Culkin's not in the sequel, because that would be weird. <laughs> and a different so movie what's than... the premise of the sequel, then? I will tell you, because um, I've never seen the sequel. But Vada uh, uh, has a holiday coming up and an assignment to do an essay on someone she admires and has never met. She decides she wants to do an assignment on her mother, but quickly realizes she ha- she knows very little about her. She manages to get her father to agree to let her go to L.A. to stay with her Uncle Phil and do some research on her mother. So it's kind of like... Her Uncle Prince Phil, who lives in the Los yeah. Angeles area? Yeah, it, it's kind of like Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, except clearly not. <laughs> so. That would be awesome if it was a crossover. It stars, um, uh, uh, I'm trying to, th- it seems like this kid, Austin O'Brien, is the, uh, the, the, the new boy in her life. And uh, he's got um, a striped t-shirt on and some kind of 90s necklace. And he's got his hair flowing down a little bit like that, you know? So, um, so yeah, uh, good, on, good on My Girl 2 for being out there in the world. I've never seen it. Um, that first one is uh, terrifying when my- Macaulay Culkin dies. Uh, Warner Archives putting out he used he, um, Sweet Bird of Youth um, with Paul Newman and Geraldine Page. Never seen that one before. Have you seen that, Ryan? Nope. 
I like Paul Newman, though. Yeah, I do, too. So I would like to see that one. Um, And then Keanu Lober's putting out Billy Liar um, uh, with Julie Christie. Um, Never seen that either. Um, And then there's (laughs) the last interesting one that I'm finding is Vinegar Syndrome, um, who we were talking about earlier, is putting out something called Dolly Dearest. Um, so, um, and it's, uh, it's an exclusive of Vinegar Syndrome, and this is a limited edition of 2,500. Uh, the cover is what appears to be a doll or an actual child with a big ass, uh, uh, butcher knife in her hand. Um, this, the plot of this is an American family moves to Mexico to fabricate dolls, but their toy factory happens to be next to a Sanzian grave and the toys come into possession of an old malicious spirit. So it's kind of like dolls and child's play and that Zoomy doll and trilogy of terror and all the things. <laughs> um, but it's a limited edition, so that might be fun to watch. I used to watch it. Uh, the original cover art is a doll that's sitting with, looking like a doll that has like a skeleton face. Oh, this is the one that I have right here. Yeah, so the other one, it has like a skeleton like head, skull head, I guess. Ah, okay. This has Denise Crosby in it. Yeah, this it's is one what of those... she gave up Star Trek for. <laughs> it's one of those uh, late '80s, maybe mid '80s slasher it says, movies. It says '91, so or unless it was early yeah. '90s, yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's still in that same period where it's yeah. just everybody's kind of throwing things up against the wall. Rip Torn's in this. I'll watch this nice. now because Rip Torn's in this. Uh, Rip Torn was crazy. R.I.P. Rip Torn, um, and. Looks like that's about it. There's a, it's a lot of back Zach, title. You, you forgot the most important release this week. What is the most important release this week? Uh, Zach Warner is An- being released from the real nerds. <laughs> no, yep. that that would just be a byline on the bottom of the thing. No one would care. Um, yeah, no, <laughs> Warner Anim- Animation is releasing Mortal Kombat Scorpion's Revenge. Is that why oh. you're wearing your Mortal Kombat hat? No, I found this at Target today and I was stoked. Okay, so is this like... Uh, a traditional 2D animated film, or is this one of yep. those like CGI ones? Okay. Yeah, the Red Band trailer is awesome. People get their heads ripped off and like their oh. guts ripped out and stuff. I can't wait to see it. All right. Well, I apologize. I didn't know yeah. if there was something. I I know you guys like Mortal Kombat. I didn't know if you were into the video end of it. Um, and there's actually actually there isn't a uh, an edition with a little figurine that you can get too. Um, don't know who the figurine is of. I'm not a Mortal Kombat guy, so you'd have Scorpion. To, uh, scorpion okay yeah right on cool i'm I glad brad and i had the same idea <laughs> yep and anyway that's blu-rays unless you were interested in arrow blu-rays of the complete series oh nice yeah did you watch arrow ryan no i did a panel one year at comic-con with one of the actors and i forget who it was and i for was never it saw Stephen amell uh i well I was supposed to do his panel one year and this guy begged me to do it if he could do it. And I took um, like a comic book one instead. I said, sure. Now I don't have to worry about ever knowing anything about arrow. So I was more than happy to give it to him. <laughs> but I heard that Stephen Amell is a very nice guy. That's cool. Good. For yep. him. I saw the pilot of that show and I said, okay. And then I just moved on. I just forgot yeah. about things. <laughs> it's one of the shows that's been on for like nine years and you forget that it's been it on that long. 
it has a following. So does that Flash and that Supergirl show. So clearly yeah. we're in the wrong here, but you know, maybe one um, day. Yeah. Hey Brad, like- did you say you've seen you've seen some Arrow, right? Or did you see Flash? Flash. Mm. Is it I, good? It, it was. <laughs> the, yeah, the first of, the first season's really good. Yeah, by the third season, I just got so tired of him pining, pining after whatever that girl was. That I was Iris. Like, Iris, yeah. Only like his main love interest from the comics and everything. It, yeah, but like they don't really set up as to like why, like what they're kind of like. The connection doesn't seem meaningful to me. It just seems like it's, well, she's from the comics, so it just has to be that way. Also, it's really creepy because they were raised together. Like, yeah. when his mom died and his dad went to prison, Joe West took him in, and so he was raised alongside Iris from, like, nine years old or whatever. Yeah, and it's then creepy. I think the season three finale, or season two finale, was kind of like a like a, a yin-yang of the first season finale, so it just felt, like, lazy to me, I think. I forget. It was a while ago. Just watch the first season. The first season's amazing. Yeah. I think when it's done, I'll just pick up the whole thing and binge it just to figure out what I missed. Because there's a lot of like cool crossover stuff and you know, inside baseball going on with all the you know, uh, Arrowverse shows that I kind of want to check in on. And obviously yeah, Kevin they have, did some episodes. Um, yeah, they did the, uh, the Batwoman. Batwoman's still going, right? Yep. And Legends of Tomorrow or whatever. Yep. I really love the Batwoman character. I'm really afraid to watch the show because uh, I'm afraid that it's not going to be as good. Because <laughs> the comic's pretty awesome. Well, we'll see. Uh, we watch films throughout the week, too, in a segment we call We've Been Watching Films Throughout the Week. So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. I like to change the name of it every week. You know, keep it fresh. Corinne, I'm going to go with you first, as long as you promise not to talk about the blacklist. Um, well, I was planning to. Why? Because it's black? <laughs> Jeez, Ryan. <laughs> no, because it's a list. <laughs> oh, so you don't like lists? Like Schindler's List? I get it. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my real problem with it is the main character's name is Red Reddington. <laughs> his, his name, Ryan, his name is Raymond Reddington. Red is his nickname. It's still artarded. What'd you watch? <laughs> For someone who like the show, you get really defensive about it, Corinne. I mean, it, this, oh my gosh. Actually, I thought of a fun thing we could do. We could play a game. I'm going to oh, tell like you. Saw? I'm going <laughs> to. <laughs> it is as torturous as Saw, too, if it's about fucking. <laughs> Brad, what's up with you? I'm making jokes. Shut up. No, I love it. I thought we could do like two truths and a lie. So I'll tell you three things and then two of them will be something that happened in the episode and then one of them will be something that didn't happen in the episode. Oh, this is a Walt Flanagan game. Was Kellen saying Wild Wild West? (laughs) No, he's he's yelling at Corinne to stop talking about the blacklist because he saw Corinne on my screen. And he, he came over and said, is she talking about the blacklist again? <laughs> yep, oh because he gosh. doesn't know what the blacklist is. He doesn't. He's just my kid, so he does whatever I say. These guys are going to hit the cameras. Watch out. Uh, go ahead, Corinne. What are we playing? Um, okay, so I'm going to say three things, and you tell me which of the three did not happen in this week's episode. Okay. okay. Number one, the blacklister was a mortician 
who impregnated prostitutes with samples from dead men. Number two, Dembe's pastor got kidnapped by Katerina Ristova. Or three, it was implied that Wrestler killed a dude with his brother when they were kids. I'm going to say the second one is the lie. I'm going to say the pregnant one because I think that's a storyline of another show. Ryan? Uh, I don't care. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I like the pregnant one because it sounds stupid. So I'm going to say that was part of the show. So which one's the lie, do you think? Um, the killing of the kid. That seems too, like, on the nose for Blacklist, where Blacklist is just, this is a stupid thing that we're going to put in a show where it's pretend it's smart like CSI. Well, all of those things actually sort of did happen on the show this week. <laughs> oh, one of those questions. Well, I mean, technically the second one was the lie but it was yeah. only the lie in that it wasn't Dembe's pastor. It was Dembe's imam, which is like the Islamic ah. equivalent of a pastor as far as I understand. So It's important to recognize the difference in different ideologies and uh, theologies, you see. Yes, yes. Yeah, it was just like, it took, I had to, I think I missed some stuff at the very beginning of the episode because I came in a little bit late. So I had to go back and rewatch like the first couple of scenes. And that was the mortician was milking like, semen out of dead people. By stroking their cocks. That's the part you missed. This is on NBC. It wasn't that graphic. It wasn't that graphic. But, I mean, they they did, like, at one point, the FBI busted into his office and they found a cooler. And in the cooler was a, what are are those things called? And then uh, Red came in. And then they said that there was a cutoff penis in it. Red came in and he looked at the dead guys. It's like, they give a whole new definition of being stiff. FBI funeral boner inspector. <laughs> Wait, is is um David Caruso saying that line before it goes book out? <laughs> yeah. That was my CSI uh Miami. <laughs> like stupid and opening. Yeah. Yeah, it was a really stupid episode and um, so I, I told Ryan this already, but Anthony Michael Hall has, uh, he was in the episode and he's going to be in next week's episode. He plays wrestlers, presumably older brother. And so it sounds like there's some kind of family drama and he's like, Hey, we got to go dig up this body that we buried at Ray field because they're about to develop it or something. I don't know. It was really stupid. So that's what next week's episode is going to be about, I guess. So we're going to find out something and. Shady and wrestlers past. At, at any point, has Anthony Michael Hall in this show written a letter to the principal about how he shouldn't judge all the other people on the blacklist, uh, and then just saying sincerely yours the blacklist? No. Okay. See that that sounds like it would be a wonderful addition to this show. If only. I mean, it was just I, I, I definitely lost brain cells watching that. But yeah, the blacklister was really creepy and. But they've done, they are, they've honestly done stuff like that before. The f- worst one I can remember was season one when this guy was kidnapping women off the street, impregnating them, keeping them um, sedated for basically like nine months so they could basically be like living incubators, then taking the kids and then selling them through like an, like an adoption agency. Like he had, it was it was really messed up. Zach, did you sell them your life story? 
No, no, they can't oh, afford it. <laughs> you know what? I, I give Zach shit, but even I wouldn't have said something like that, Brad. Damn. Yeah. It's fine. It's fine, Corinne. I'm used to being a punching bag. It's cool. <laughs> well, uh, Ryan is a little bit busy, so I will uh, defer to talk about the picture of Dorian Gray till he's available. But um, yes, I will. Uh, so I did watch the Escaflone movie. It was different from the show. <laughs> And it's really, really hard for me to just look at it on its own merit because I think it's an okay movie on its own merit, but compared to the TV show, it's pretty bad. Hmm. I mean, it just doesn't have like any character development for anybody. There's just a bunch of random plot points. Like Hitomi is all of a sudden the wing goddess even though that role doesn't mean anything and that title doesn't seem to have any kind of significance. Um, But I mean, it wasn't like terrible. The animation was really well done. You can tell they got like a huge, like a much bigger budget for it than they had for the TV show. And the music was good. Um, I mean, just on the whole, like it, it, like all the technical aspects of the movie were great. It was just, it, it was just hard to just watch the same characters and they were, if you, if you go check out my Twitter at catching classic, you'll see me live stream the last like 15 minutes of the, is that Vash? Yeah. Look what I dug out for you. Hey, oh, my beautiful man. Vash uh, I've also got knives and all they did was paint them uh, black. Who effing gives a shit about knives? He's a piece of trash. I really love uh, this this new format because now we can see Brad's whole collection. I know the people yeah. listening are loving it. Yeah. <laughs> um, what was I talking about? Oh, the Escaflone movie. Yeah, I was just really annoyed that everybody. So Alan Shazar and um, Princess Malerna were basically like dropped from the movie completely, which I kind of understand because you know it's only like an hour and a half versus twenty six episodes of a TV show, so you kind of have to cut some people out um but then um Fulkin, Hitomi, and Vaughn are all like complete like they're the complete opposite of what they are in the tv show like Fulkin is this very layered person who was a coward and like that's why he ran away from his village and that's why Vaughn and he have like this disagreement over ideologies. Whereas in the movie, Fulkin is an evil piece of shit who killed his family and now wants to like take over the world. And Hitomi, instead of being cheerful, is suicidal. And Vaughn, instead of being this gentle soul who is obligated to fight, is just kind of bloodthirsty a lot of the time. So. Yeah, it was really hard to watch it after the series because you just it, it feels so watered down by that point. But I mean, it has merit. It's not totally worthless, but I, I don't know. I would honestly, I think I would recommend people just. Oh, that's the cat from from Trigun. <laughs> so, um, Ryan, did you want me to talk about the picture of Dorian Gray? Sure. It's, it's really good. I liked it. Yeah, I mean, it's British, so I had a feeling you would. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Lord Henry, I wanted to punch him in the face. Yeah. He's Every second he was on screen. 
and he's just going on and on about whatever and he just oh my gosh what a piece of why do people put up with him i don't know because oscar wilde's a genius <laughs> yes <laughs> um, Wait, to be honest why do they put up with dorian yeah. but okay uh, yeah, that was really trippy when they showed the port because I was almost afraid they weren't going to show you the portrait yeah. until the very end or something, or just like not show you it at all. Um, because there's a couple versions of Phantom of the Opera that have done that, and so I'm like, are they going to show us the portrait? Are they going to show it to us? And then there's like that shot in Technicolor or whatever, and I was like, mm-hmm. whoa, it yeah, it's a great beautiful movie, beautiful painting, yeah. And then, of course, at the end, it was horrific but i mean it was a well done horrific painting yeah but um the use of lighting in that room upstairs with you know like when he murders the the painter Mm -hmm. and the thing swinging back and forth oh my gosh oh it was so well done yeah it's a nice uh gothic horror film oh zach fucked off bye zach see you zach (laughs) no and honestly like (laughs) um yeah, you, I don't know, the way you talked about it, it, you made it sound like it was going to be more gruesome, but I'm like, this is 1940s or something? Like, it can't yeah. be that bad, but, you know, sure enough, it really wasn't that bad. No, like, again, the horror comes not from the killings. The horror is for how big of a piece of crap Dorian Gray is, mm. you know, and um, and he becomes ugly on the inside mm-hmm. and stays beautiful on the outside. I mean, the biggest complaint I have about it was the final shot, fanfare, fade out, whatever. It's very uh, common I, in the 1940 movies, though. I know, but it just, the tone of, like, that, because it's like, oh, this, you know, horrific scene, and it should be sad or somber or something, and it's like, nope, da 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 the movie's over, everybody. Uh, you know, I to, movie, they were not going to end it on a down note. And I have to ask you, Corinne, were you a little uh, buzzed when you were sending me those videos? No. No? <laughs> you seem... You, are you sure? Blown drunk. <laughs> <laughs> are you sure? I don't think so. Maybe, maybe it was just the video. The video, like, it seemed like you're like, and I just wanted, like, what is he doing? <laughs> I go, oh, she's drinking wine and sending me videos. I mean, I've heard you comment while uh inebriated before <laughs> no i don't think i was because it was pretty late at night that time it was i right, like drinking that that I, late before bed i forgot george sanders played uh lord henry in that movie mm-hmm. we have to pick yeah that i was about five minutes in and i was like oh my gosh that's sheer con <laughs> yep I love watching old movies like that sometimes because you'll be like, oh my gosh, I know them from that other thing. He's Foliot in Foreign Correspondent. And of course, at one point I was like, hmm, Shere Khan and Mrs. Potts in a movie together. Who would have thought? Right. Oh, what he did to her. Oh, that was such a bitch move. Uh, Yep. Not a good person. Why did he like that other girl, the Gladys? Because they're like, he just has a soft spot for her. And I'm like, Why? Just because he's a piece of shit. He has like, there's no really like rhyme or reason for the character. He's really vain. He's really conceited. Uh, I mean, uh, if you read the book, it really delves into who he is as a person. And I mean, the first, I think, two chapters are just him and Lord Henry talking about how beautiful he is. And you go, wow, the homosexuality subtext is not buried in this book at all. Oh, oh um, right. yeah, it's Oscar Wilde. He, did, he wasn't going to bury anything. <laughs> no, it's, 
like I was telling Corinne, it's my favorite book of all time because the dialogue is so great. And it starts off as kind of this lighthearted, oh, you're so cute, Dorian. And uh, then it delves into him being a total piece of crap and, um, you know. Yeah, the dialogue was really, like, heavy to the – and I was, like, they're just, like, rattling this off. And it's, like, it's almost too fast for me to just, like, comprehend it. You know what I mean? The book's like that. I mean, obviously, the book you you read read, at your own pace. Yeah, you can read that at your own pace, though. With the movie, it's just, like, oh, my gosh. Like, I felt like I should have rewound a couple of times to be, like, wait, what were they saying? Oscar Wilde is an incredible writer. Yeah, and I love the uh, the importance of being earnest for the same oh, reason because yeah, it's like it's so just witty and quick, and you really have to. Yeah, you can't just slack off when you're reading Oscar Wilde. No, I like the earnest movies too. <laughs> yep. So then, the last thing I watched, um, <laughs> I don't know if Ryan got around to watching after I recommended it to him, but I. Uh, so same thing as last week, Andrew Lloyd Webber did another thing where he like made a recording available for 48 hours as like a fundraiser for actors who are out of work. And there yeah. was the filmed version of love never dies, which is the sequel to the Phantom of the opera. And it's a piece of hot garbage and I love it. <laughs> well, I don't love it, oh. but it, I don't know. Cause going into it, I just, I was like, no, this movie's terrible, but I'm just going to watch it and have fun. And I did. I don't know. Like, I guess the music and the, like, all the technical aspects of it are amazing. The staging, the stage design is unbelievable. The lighting is great. Costumes are amazing. Like, the spectacle is astounding in the show. And the acting's pretty good. And I really like some of the songs in it. But the story is just so stupid. It is just overly, well, I don't know if I say overly complicated, but just they're trying to do a lot with like the character interactions where in the Phantom of the Opera, you focus a lot on the Phantom, Christine, and Ralph. Mm -hmm. Here you have like six characters. You got Meg Giri, Madame Giri, the Phantom, Ralph, Christine, and then Christine's son, Gustav are all running around. So it's like you're trying to work on the dynamics within those six people. And it's just a lot, I think. Mm. And also the story's terrible because it just throws like all this great character development from the, from the Phantom of the Opera out the window. I need to um, uh, either re-listen to the cast recording and look to the book or just watch the adaptation Schumacher did. But I've never really liked the musical version of that property. Like, and I, and granted part of it's probably because when you see the Lon Chaney version, like going through your monster phase, that's your version of Phantom of the Opera forever. Like I don't even like the Claude Rains version that much. And I love Claude Rains, but um, yeah, I did. I completely forgotten. He did a sequel called love never dies. So um yeah and they do pick up like a couple of the musical cues from the previous property but Mm -hmm. it just like sometimes it kind of works and then other times it just feels like shoehorned in it's like oh yeah remember this from the first thing and it's it's a little too i don't know yeah i mean i don't know ryan are you a phantom thread fan beyond the lon chaney version uh well i mean i you know it's 
funny is I actually I think I have five versions of Phantom. Uh, Which ones? Uh, so I have the Lon Chaney one, the Claude Rains one, the Robert England one, the yeah. um, the Joe Schumacher one, and I also have. I don't know if you've heard of Phantom of the Paradise. Um, yes, it's yep. actually a pretty great movie. Um, yeah. It's a Brian De Palma film. It's so yeah, I have five versions of Phantom of the Opera. Yeah, but not the best one. Uh, I do. It's starring Lon Chaney. <laughs> yeah, it's a silent film and it's brilliant. Mm, we'll have to talk about the best one another time. Cor- Corinne, there's a scene at the end where he reaches for something that could destroy the mob that's about to attack him, and it turns out it's nothing, and he unfurls his hand because he's truly gone mad, and then the mob just swarms in on him, and it's amazing. I will say the Lon Chaney version is probably the closest to the book, other than the really shitty animated one, which is... It's so faithful to the book, but their budget was like $2, a broken shoestring, and like a button. And that was it. And the animation looks terrible. $2 and a button will go get you fucked, kid. (laughs) And some lint. Like, here you go, kid. (laughs) But Ryan, did you get around to watching? No, I actually actually got really busy at like midnight last night, and it was awful. Damn. So, Yeah. Yeah, see, that's the thing about this, like, Andrew Lloyd Webber thing that they're doing is that it's only available for 48 hours, basically over the weekend. So it's, like, I want to say, like, noon Friday to noon Sunday, our time. Because, like I said, it's supposed to be, like, a night out at the theater kind of thing. Since people can't actually go, he's trying to bring it to them and do, like, a nice fundraiser. So maybe you should get around to watching it one day. One day I will. I'm a big fan of the story. Because I'd be curious to see what you think of it. I like more of, uh, like the Schumacher one's okay. I really like more when it leans more into horror. Um, you know, the Schumacher one is really extravagant. Yeah. It's, and, it's, and I can say a thing about the, the Reigns one, where it doesn't lean that heavily into horror. It's more of it's, it's a, a Technicolor version. Yeah, it's a movie about opera and less yeah. about Phantom. The 89 <laughs> version is probably the most horrific. Oh, yeah, but that one's okay. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean it's okay? It's Robert England as the Phantom of the Opera. And he's yeah. fine. <laughs> yeah, he's fine. The rest of the movie is okay. <laughs> it's, just, it's just that the rest of the I movie... Just, how is it I'm defending the movie and you're like, mm, yeah, it's all right. It's, yeah. Well... Robert England's better in other movies is part of it, but also that version is, it's got its issues. It's fine, though. I can watch it again. Yeah, no, I, I own it. It's, it's fun. Was, to you. He's, like, murdering people every five minutes. Yep. Yeah. There's the one part where he, like, stabs the guy and the blood squirts out and he's just like, Aah. Wait, I forget. I didn't remember that part where he goes, no. Well, that's not... He's stabbed. Quite he, he, what he looks like, but the kill count is more frequent in that movie than every mm-hmm. other version of yeah. of the opera. Is Isn't that a scream one? The, yeah. Okay. Isn't there the part where they're at like the masquerade ball and there's a head in the drinking the punch bowl? Sure. I think that's that one. I'd have to watch it. I like I said, I have five versions of it, so I have to, you know. Well, I know it's not in the 20s or the 40s one, so I just don't to watch the Dario Argento. That would be incredible one. if there was a lost scene. <laughs> <laughs> so that's all I've been watching. Zach, um, 
I didn't go. I would say Brad, but he hasn't been listening for like 10 minutes. No, I the, the Phantom of the Opera. I was there. <laughs> yeah, well, what did I watch, Brad? You watched Phantom of the Opera and no, the Portrait didn't. of Dorian and Gray. I didn't watch Phantom of the Opera this week. Brad, yeah, yeah, you, see, were, you weren't paying attention. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> You're just messing with me. No, Portrait of Dorian Gray. You watched that. I did. Good job. Yeah. Um, well, now in my head, I've been watching the Ernest movie that we never got, which is The Importance of Being Ernest, where Ernest, <laughs> Ernest has to go through an Oscar Wilde novel. Um, but he yeah, can't but there it. is a version of it with Colin Firth. What? But there's not one with Jim Barney, and that's the one I want. You know now. what? That one should have been made. The, and it should be called The Importance of Being Earnest. And it'd, <laughs> yes. be, it'd be, you know, you know what I mean, Vern? Just stuck in here and, oh man, that's brilliant. I think there's I'm like. Dig up Jim Barney. <laughs> I'm going to look up this. I think there is a thing like that. Hang on. <laughs> I have been seeing a lot of people because Kim Jong un is like in a coma. And everybody's been posting Weekend at Bernie memes with him in it, and it's been making me laugh. <laughs> wow, he's he's in a coma? I did not know this. Wow. I'm well, not paying attention to the news. Possibly. You know. Oh, okay. Oh, it's he, might have, he might have the Rona. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, I haven't watched too much this week. I'm still going through a lot of Mystery Science Theater, um, and uh, I've been having fun with the Gamera movies. They're, they're, a, they're a hoot and a holler. <laughs> they're still lots of fun. Um uh, the Gamera versus Giron is the one I like the most because it's the one where the two kids just go off world into another planet and it's absolutely ridiculous. And the and the main monster Giron is like a huge creature that has basically a blade for a head and it's just a bunch of knife jokes with those guys the entire time. Um, and It Conquered the World um, was a fun one to watch because it's a lot of Peter Graves and uh, Lee Van Cleef jokes going around. Um, and then I continued with some more Coen brothers. Uh, so I rewatched Miller's crossing, which may or may not be on a film explosion list. Uh, it might be on mine. Um, I, I, we were talking about it two weeks ago. It's Coen brother. I don't go back to that much, but I have fun when I watch it again. It's just, but it doesn't stick with me. Um, but Albert Finney's still great in it. So can't go wrong there. And John Turturro's fantastic in it. I think the problem is, is that it's, it, it's weird to say this. They don't, their, their, their commentary on Irish gangsters isn't as interesting as their commentary on people in the West or something like that. Like stuff that they end up doing with, Oh, Oh brother, where art thou or no country for old men where people in these rural areas um, is a little different. Um, but I did forget about one piece of news, Ryan, RIP Sam Raimi. He won't be directing Dr. Strange because uh, before he was set to direct, he went back in time to be a snickering gunman in Miller's Crossing and got gunned down outside of one of the Irish hangouts. So RIP Sam Raimi. And, um, you know, he will be missed. I'm thank- thankful he made Spider-Mans and all, Darkmans and all. But, um, yeah, the Coen brothers killed him. And uh, we, have to, we have to go hunt them down now. So, I went back uh, in time and brought him back. We're good. Yeah, <laughs> you know how you there's always that story about Sam Sam Raimi just trying to get Bruce Campbell to do silly things and just snickering behind his back. So I imagine when they were blasting around Sam Raimi on set, the Coen Brothers were giving a light ha, and <laughs> that was it. <laughs> um, I rewatched Barton Fink. Barton Fink's still freaking amazing. Um, John Goodman was robbed of an Oscar nomination. I, I'll. Uh, I'll never uh, get tired of that fact that was overlooked by the Oscars, but again, they don't always matter. 
I, I noticed though that the DVD, I don't have the Kino lower Blu-ray. The DVD menu on this is incredible because it's just the scene where John Goodman is going, I'll show you the light of the mind down the hall with the shotgun. And then it goes into the play scene selection extras. And I was like, whoever made this DVD menu is a fucking genius. Um, and then I rewatched the Hudsucker proxy um, the following morning, which the first time I saw this was in high school in a writing on film class. Out of It was like one of the many weird and interesting things I got shown in that class. And I like going back to this film. It, I think it's more than just a nostalgia pastiche piece. Like it's, it's a lot of fun. Paul Newman's wonderful in it as the villain. Tim Robbins is great in it. Jennifer Jason Lee. Um, you know, it's Sam Raimi contributing to that Cohen aesthetic. So there's a lot of, there's, a, there's even more out there humor in it than normal Cohen Brothers films. I think that's a testament to Raimi. Um, uh, but, uh, and in addition, uh, the, the whole, have you ever seen this film, Corinne? film the hudsucker proxy no you should watch this movie it's really fun it's about a guy who uh is i was distracted when you said paul newman oh okay well that's fair <laughs> paul newman. and then i was distracted earlier when you said oh brother where art thou because i started singing foggy bottom boys yeah well that's that's totally fair those are those are all really wonderful things um no but um uh uh hudsucker proxy is about um a guy who is trying to get ahead in the business world and he gets promoted to president pretty quickly because the vice president of the company is trying to put a patsy into the uh, the business uh, leadership position so that the stocks will tank so that all the board can buy the stock back cheap before the main owner's stock goes public. Um, and in the process, he invents a wonderful circular device for kids. I won't spoil it, because it's a big part of the movie. I know it's on Ryan, the poster. The, what, what, what <laughs> yeah. It's on the poster. It, it, it is, but you just... Is it a toy <laughs> called the Hudsucker Proxy? No, it's it has an H-U in it, though. <laughs> just, it's the hula hoop. He invents the hula hoop. And the whole... The beauty of it is because he just... He keeps telling people, I've got this great design, and he holds up a piece of paper, and it's just a circle, and he says, you know, for kids. <laughs> like, Please tell me there's a scene where Paul Newman does hula hoops. No, but he's the one who basically says, I love it. It's a great idea. It'll work, thinking that it's going to fail. But, of course, the hula hoop succeeds. Why would I watch and, this now? Because you told me Paul Newman's the bad guy, so but, I have but it, you spoiled it for me. Thanks. He's also the he, bad guy in Road to Perdition, and it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but, I mean, I've already seen Road to Perdition. Yeah. Yeah, he's the bad guy in it, yeah. Well, Him I, and Daniel Craig. He was the second Damn. bad guy. Tom Hanks the good guy. I guess they're all bad guys because Tom Hanks yeah. is an assassin too. But yeah, they're, yeah. they're gangsters. But <laughs> Among the bad guys, him, Tom Hanks and Paul Newman were the good guys. <laughs> yeah. Paul Newman is the bad guy, but Jude Law's the the insane well, guy. Paul Craig Newman's and, the bad guy because he tells Daniel Craig to go kill Tom Hanks. You don't kill Tom Hanks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Daniel Craig operated independently. I haven't watched it in a while. America's granddad can't tell James Bond to kill America's dad. It makes no sense. It's not going to happen. Um, that movie should be in 4K. I agree. Is it not? No. no. Um, You're telling me the Patriots in 4K, but Road to Perdition is not? How dare they? The Patriot is an amazing film. Patriot's a good movie. <laughs> but I would love Road to Perdition in 4K because that's uh, 
the guy who shot it, it's his last movie that he uh, was the DP on. You know, before, um, Corinne, I was really concerned about your taste in movies. And then the look you gave me when you, I said The Patriot's an amazing movie just reaffirms that you don't know movies. I haven't it's, seen The Patriot in probably 10 years, so I don't care. It's you should care because it's amazing. I just, I just remember it being long. It is long. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, Hudsucker Proxy. Corinne, you should watch this. If you like a, a Brother Where Art Thou in your life, you'll like Hudsucker Proxy. It's a lot what of movie. fun. And Bruce Campbell plays <laughs> plays the the most misogynist reporter imaginable for that fifties stereo the forties, fifties newspaper guy stereotype. And he's amazing in that film, Ryan. Part of it is because the Coen brothers take every opportunity they can to not show his face. <laughs> If you look at the cinematography, anytime they can cover his face, they're going to do it. <laughs> like, it's, it's remarkable. I, I, who is he, Wilson and Home Improvement? <laughs> what was that? I said, who is he, Wilson and Home Improvement? No, it's just, it seems like there's always a running joke on Bruce Campbell where if you could show as little of him as possible when he's working with Raimi or Cohen, they're going to do it just to fuck with him. Um, he's in the really because I thought he was featured pretty heavily in the starter in the Spider-Man movies. Well, okay, that's that's one element of it. In the Coen Brothers films that he's done, he seems to either be in the background, or if they mm-hmm. have a way to obscure him from frame or slap him in the face, they're going to do it. In the Lady Killers, he's in the background, but he's like he's one of those cameos you're not going to miss. But he's like talking to somebody in the background. You can clearly tell it's him but they're not doing any kind of close-up on him whatsoever. So, um, yeah. Anyway, Hudsucker Proxy. And, so, um, so there's a site here that just has, like, the YouTube logo and then the word video next to it that is streaming Road to Perdition in 4K. <laughs> <laughs> Should I click watch now, guys? Yes. No. Nothing bad will happen. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that's oh. all I watched this week. Brad? Sorry, I got all these pop-ups from clicking that link. <laughs> I've had uh, block installed, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I haven't watched a whole lot, uh, but um, someone posted the episodes of the new Ninja Turtles, Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon on YouTube in the Philippines, so I watched that. Uh, that show's a lot of fun. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's supposed to be a prequel series, so the turtles are even younger than Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, um, and they're you know just starting out. Uh, Splinter is kind of a lazy layabout uh at one point he steals the turtle van and just goes joyriding in it nice. uh and tries to hide it from donatello um and uh like one of the episodes is his robe is so old and like tattered that you can like see his underwear so the turtles have to like get jobs to buy a, a new one for him uh because it's so gross and then uh how old are they supposed to be like early teens like probably 13 14 uh but uh so that's teenage yes but like <laughs> early early teenage so tweens yeah tween age tween age girls <laughs> please please don't yes. <laughs> i would watch that shoot yeah. i would watch that series and in the oh. show like Raphael's actually the leader uh but he's kind of bad at it so obviously at some point it's going to flip over and actually donatello is more of a leader because he's always developing like new technology for them to use. Uh, like initially they have their traditional weapons, but they run into this villain and they find like this dog that has mystical powers. So it imbues all the weapons with mystic powers. So um, 
like Leonardo's sword can actually create tele like portals. Uh, Michelangelo gets like a yo-yo that shoots fire. Um, and Raph gets like, uh, some combat sticks or something. I forget what they do, but, um, so they have like more supernatural type things. Donatello sticks with his bow cause it's like electronic, uh, and he made it himself, but and the, the, the humor is really funny. There was one line that they said that really made me crack up was, uh, oh yeah, that sounded like a good plan until it failed. So yeah, that's a good one. Star Lord line. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The risk I took is calculated, but boy, am I bad at math. Yeah. So yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fun. There's only four episodes, I think. Uh, and they're kind of like, it's like Looney Tunes where it's kind of half and half. So it's not like one episode for the whole 30 minutes. Like one's a story one and the other one's like a goofy one. Um, oh. Yeah. And they have new villains like the, this one is Meat Sweats. Uh, he's a Gordon Ramsay character who uh, got mutated and then now he just goes around kidnapping all the like um like lost animals of new york city and try turning them into like weird food uh so obviously he tries to kidnap splinter at one point and turn him into something uh is this for nickelodeon yeah (laughs) okay Um, i don't uh i don't know if you care brad but uh when i was at target today all the action figures for it were on the clearance rack for like 375 uh, which ones do they have? Because my target did that, and I bought them all. <laughs> uh, they had they had all the turtles. Actually, if meat, they have if they have Shredder, they had meat sweats. <laughs> I, have, I have meat sweats. If they have Shredder, I'm looking for Shredder, Bullhop, and Hip, Hypnopotamus. Are the only ones okay. I'm missing. Well, if I come across them, yeah, I've been to all the southern targets here, so I, I need your <laughs> your north north central targets. <laughs> you got I've covered it. Every target across this land, and I still haven't found Bullhop. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I'm just oh, looking forward to uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles versus Meat Sweats in theaters 2023. Heck yeah. I doubt that. They're kind of tanking that show. <laughs> Which is a shame because it's a lot of fun. And it's, it was so much fun. I was like, you know what? I think we're going to finally sit down and watch the 2012 one. So, uh, which they had it for streaming on uh, iTunes for like $34. But being a DVD... <laughs> $34? For 127 episodes? Not bad. Oh, uh, I thought you meant, thought you meant uh, the movie. movie. <laughs> Me too. Oh, no. Holy shit. A digital download $34? No, yeah, it's for the entire series, seven seasons. Uh, yeah, which is really okay. good. But being a DVD purist, I had to go online. And so all the DVDs are on their way. And I had to nice. pay more for it, but at least I'll be able to watch them whenever I want. You're yep. welcome, Brad. And, and you'll cool. never know if Apple decides, you know, not to show them anymore. You will never lose them. Yeah. Although Apple has an HD, which is nice, but oh well. It is an animated show, so yeah, I'll live. Yeah, that's all I watched. All right. Buckle up, boneheads. You're going for a ride. Um, Uh-oh. You know, since this... Uh, <laughs> quarantine dude he watched like 10 movies this week i did um this quarantine thing i i don't really have anything else to do like i'm stuck at home and uh so yeah i watched uh edge of tomorrow which um so i've been going back uh, into my <laughs> yeah lived i repeat is kill um so i've just been going back and watching some movies that i love that i have because you know my wife has always accused me of not watching them again so I'm, I always love like being like, look, I'm watching a movie that I've bought a long time ago. <laughs> Joke's on you. Egg on your face. She's like, why don't you just get rid of all the non-Tom Cruise ones then? 
<laughs> yeah. Then she, <laughs> then she looks at me and she says, you're such an idiot. And I go, so? Um, Edge of Tomorrow <laughs> is awesome. It Every was one I, of my top 10 movies of the 2010s. Yep. It's, uh, it's really still working on the sequel uh, for that. Uh, yeah, I guess they're, they have like a treatment for it. Tom Cruise is always working on like eight movies. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you haven't seen it, it's a movie where there's an alien invasion and Tom Cruise is a major, but he's like a mouthpiece. And it's kind of cool because you're not used to seeing Tom Cruise play that kind of character. Um, and he gets killed in his first battle, but he gets alien blood on him, which makes him live the same day over and over and over again. Um, and, Groundhog Day, but an action movie. Yeah, and um, you find out that Emily Blunt's character, Rita, used to have the same powers, but she lost them. And uh, what's really fun about this movie is it starts off as him being killed, and it's kind of funny because he's stupid. And um, then he meets Rita, and he starts... Uh, falling for her and there's a there's a great moment where they finally get off the beach and you know they're driving and they're talking and you realize that he's lived this moment hundreds of times but it's the first time you've lived this moment and it's a kind of a gut punch where you realize he's tired of seeing her die and um and it's yeah it's just a cool movie and Emily Blunt's badass in it uh, that's a that's a movie that I didn't want to see until you guys told me how good it was. So yeah, it's, was a, like one of the... it's one of my favorite Emily Blunt movies and uh, one of my favorite Tom Cruise movies too. It's it's a great movie. Yeah, um, and the most fun with like repeatedly killing a character. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so I have Army of Darkness Defense on my phone. It's basically a tower defense game and it uses clips from the film to sprinkle throughout. So it's, you know... Uh, uh, come get some or whatever you know um, like a cutscene. it's not a cutscene, but it's like in the game so every time you pick like a new power for ash to use he'll say a line from the movie um like and phrase, yeah. yeah so yeah catchphrases so kellen really likes the game because he gets to shoot skeletons and i said you know i bet he can watch army of darkness because even though it's rated r it's still really silly and uh-huh. uh so I I put it in and I always know when Kellen loves a movie because he'll stop and he'll watch it. I mean, really watch it. Like he did it with the Pirates of the Caribbean and things like that. Um, so he's watching Army of Darkness and he's just loving it. And um, I had so much fun because he, when Ash gets to the cemetery and he has to say the words and Kellen was going around playing with his Harry Potter wand going, uh, Klaatu Verata, and uh, it's uh, it was really fun. And you know, watching again, I said, you know, I guess this movie's not too scary. I mean, there's the I think the um, the witch part in it where she spills the the boiling pot. I think may be the most scary part. But then it's you know cut with him, yo she bitch, let's go. I mean, Army of Darkness is the greatest movie of all time. But why is it rated R? Then is it for Uh, language? There's some language in it. Uh, there's a little nudity in it, but not like. It's I mean, like one moment. <laughs> yeah, I mean, airplane that's rated PG has more nudity in it. Yeah. Um, but it's really, I mean, there's a part where this guy goes in a pit and it, a geyser of blood comes out. It, it's more of over. It's like Looney Tunes violence. I mean, I don't think it should be rated R, especially if you watch it now. But he does say fuck a couple times, and he does saw a dude in half. And but pieces. It's not- but it's not like it's not Evil Dead or Evil Dead no, Two level. No, it's it's like, not that crazy. Yeah, it's it's tame. Like, yeah. 
Now, like I, said, I don't I, think my sister will let me show Madison, but... <laughs> yeah, no, I, 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 like I said, I, I liken it to a Looney Tunes cartoon where it's really over the top. And um, it, it's funny because I, you know, I love Bruce Campbell and he always talks about, he doesn't understand why people love the movie because <laughs> the, the Ash character is so inconsistent in it. And when you listen to the co- their commentary that him and Sam Raimi do is the most brilliant commentary I've ever heard. All they do is make fun of the movie and they, they have people like M. Beth Davids who went on to be in Schindler's List and is a really good actress. Mm-hmm. And uh, they said, yeah, how do we get this person in our movie? This movie sucks. And it's really <laughs> funny. Um, and, but like I said, it's my most favorite movie of all time. And uh, to me, it's a, the perfect movie because it's horror, zany action. Um, it's just, and it's my favorite director. And it's when he's, after Dark Man, Sam Raimi really developed his style, and uh, and he all his movies move so quickly. I, I, I love Sam Raimi. Uh, Did we so do yeah. an episode for Army of Darkness, or was it just you doing the Evil Dead series in general? Yeah, I did a, the Evil Dead series with my wife like yeah. uh, nine years ago. Um, yeah, it's fun. Uh, I blind bought Showboat from Criterion because I love Irene Dunn, um, but I did not know that that was such a important film for joe robeson uh for old man river and uh the criterion is amazing because they also include uh this documentary about joe robeson narrated by city potier potier something that i agree yeah potier um wait what sydney potier what narrates a documentary about joe robeson oh okay because uh joe robeson was doing old man river and he sympathized uh, with people in Russia. So he's put on Hollywood's blacklist. So he couldn't really, he wasn't in movies and didn't perform for 10 years because after showboat, he would go around and sing old man river and he would change the lyrics to fit whatever political climate it was. So he was put on the McCarthy list and he didn't work for a long time. And it's a really great documentary is it won best uh, documentary short, in 79 at the Oscars uh, and it's included on the criteria and the criterion also has the 1929 version of showboat. Um, like this criterion is stacked. It's an awesome thing. The, the showboat itself is a really great musical. Uh, it's funny. It's also kind of heartbreaking. Uh, you it's, it's fascinating because it is a product of its time. I think it's 1936 and they, they do a lot of um, racial stereotypes in it. Um, At one point, Irene Dunn does blackface and it's, it's really jarring watching that now um, because it's such a caricature of um, African-American culture that it's, and and the, the saddest part is the song that she sings in it is actually really fun, but it's really tainted by, the overt racism that is per uh, that permeates in that scene. Um, but you, you have to look at it in time. I mean, swing time Fred Astaire does it too. Yeah. So it, you, it's, it's always a tough balance and, um, and, but the movie itself is great. Um, it takes place on a showboat. It's Irene Dunn plays a young girl who marries a guy who ends up leaving her. And she becomes an, a real famous actress. It's it's really well done. And um, uh, who's the actress who won Best Supporting Actress in uh, Gone with the Wind? Hattie. Uh, Hattie McDaniel. Thank yeah. you. She's, she's from it. Wichita, by the way. Nice. Yeah. Uh, she's in it, and she's married to Joe Robeson, mm-hmm. and they have this awesome song 
where uh, she comes down and he's just uh, pilling uh, peas and doing stuff. And she says, you don't do anything that's worth nothing. And they have this cute little like argument song. Uh, and it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's Oscar Hammerstein. So it's the music and lyrics are really great. Um, yeah. Just uh, be warned. You know, you got to get past the racial stereotypes yeah. and, um, but Robeson is amazing in this film. And Robeson was an ambassador to Harlem. Yeah, uh, during during that during this that period prior to his blacklisting, and he's um through all the research I've been doing on Benny, um, anytime they talk about Eddie Anderson, Robeson is mentioned a lot in terms of whenever they would go to the East Coast to do a show. Yeah, uh, but um, yeah, I I haven't watched Showboat in a while, and so when I heard they were doing this on Criterion, I knew I had to get this as soon as I possibly could. Because this movie, and I'm, do they have the featurette on James Whale, Ryan? Uh, oh, I can't remember. I only watched the uh, documentary in the 28 version, so okay, um, I'm not sure. It, uh, there's but, uh, a lot of features, though. The the big thing about this film is that this is the film that essentially broke Universal's bank and forced mm-hmm. the Lemleys to sell it to a different comp, uh, to a different set of buyers, and then that comp, uh, group kept fumbling the studio and only Abbott and Costello and uh, um, another actress uh, films kept saving the studio up till MCA bought it out. Um, yeah. It's um, but I, th- it's so cool when you see them, the remaster, the new 4k scan, because they have scenes from the film in the 79 documentary. And then you appreciate how much work that they, I think Walt Disney helped them with it, but how they went through and, uh, made it look like it was shot yesterday. Um, I can't. I can't tell. It, it's such an important film, and uh, Robeson is astounding in it. And you should pick it up if you like musicals. Um, I, so I watched a few uh, Kate watches this week. I rewatched Robin Hood from 2010. How um, was this? Because <laughs> okay. I remember it. It's okay. Um, there's parts of it that are. It's pretty fun. Um, you know, it's basically, it's a Braveheart, but with Robin Hood. And it seems like they're trying to make a sequel to it where he's actually becomes Robin Hood. Because it's a prequel. <laughs> yeah, it's a prequel. Um, you know, there's, but it's still, it's also Ridley, uh, Ridley Scott, so it's shot really well. Um, it's almost three hours, but it doesn't feel like that. It's that long because he can keep a, the movie going. Kate Blanchett's great in it. She plays uh, Maid Marian. Um, yeah. I mean, it's fun. And she has kind of a badass moment where Robin tells her to stay at home and he's going to go fight the war with the French on this beach. And he's there and they realize how much, how many of the French are invading England. They don't know what to do, but over the mountain range comes this new knight, And then the knight lifts up his face mask and it's uh made Marion and it's pretty badass. Um, oh, you watched the last scene. You watched the director's cut, didn't you? Yeah. Oh, okay. I was yeah. like, I don't I think, close to I think it's another like 19 minutes. Um, and it's mostly story. Uh, story is not a lot of more action. Right. Uh, it's, I mean, it's a, it's a good movie. It's yeah. I mean, I've seen worse movies. Yeah, it's fine. Um, it just kind of exists. Uh, I got the Paramount presents version of to catch a thief. Um, the new 4k scan. Wait, is you're not going to talk about Ponyo. I will. I'm doing it in order. Relax. Oh, oh okay. Relax. I, I figured you would clump the Kate movies together. Uh, well, I, I would do that, but then I'll lose track. So I just go off my Twitter feed. That's so I never forget what I watched. 
Um, so uh, To Catch a Thief is the new Paramount Presents uh, boutique label that they have where they're taking their classic films and repackaging them with uh, cool slip covers where you fold it up and it's the poster of the film. Um, and then uh, new special features. This one, uh, the only thing I, I'm a little disappointed, the special feature is Leonard Malton and he's, it's only seven minutes long. So the special features aren't that great, but he's great in it. It's just, I wish it was longer. Um, but the real star is the 4K transfer that they redid. It's a remaster. It, the movie is stunning. It looks like it was shot yesterday and it's, you know, 65 years old this year. Um, and um, Cary Grant is at his probably suave best in it. Um, and then you have Grace Kelly. I don't know if there's a better looking couple on screen ever. Um, it's pretty great. Um, what, okay, Gregory name one. Peck and Audrey Hepburn in Roman Holiday. Uh, Boom. No. Boom. No, Gregory, Boom. Gregory Peck is not as handsome as Cary Grant. Cary Grant. Have you seen Gregory Peck? In charade. I've seen I've seen uh, Gregory Peck in a lot of films. I just watched Spellbound. I second what Zach said. Put Audrey Hepburn in anything. Like I love Grace Kelly, but Audrey Hepburn's my girl. I was I was saying charade because that's a good looking couple. Yeah, no, but I I mean they this film is shot in this division. Too old then though. Nah, nah, he's he's still handsome. It doesn't matter. Well, he's still handsome for sure, but. When if if it had been prime Cary Grant and Audrey Hepburn, sure. Uh, I don't know. Did you see him without the shirt in this movie? He still looks pretty great to me. Yeah. Uh, anyways, I wish I had his body. <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, in the movie, uh, Grant plays a reformed cat thief called Roby. Uh, he was in jail, and then he got out of jail and fought for the resistance for the French. Became a hero. Didn't have to go back to jail. Then there's a new cat thief, and everyone assumes that it's him. Um, he goes through the French Riviera uh, with Grace Kelly and it's kind of like Ocean's 11 before there was Ocean's 11 mm-hmm. and because uh, they have a masquerade ball at the end and it's shot really well. I, it's really Hitchcock, I think, at his peak because uh, the way he shoots the film is really well. Um, it's like a postcard. I think Leonard Maltin says that it's a postcard movie and it's 100% accurate because yeah. um, they shoot it in Vista vision. And I was seeing some behind the scene things, how Vista vision works and the cameras are like horizontal. They're not vertical. Yeah. So to get more information, it's really, it's really fascinating. Um, so yeah, if you like to catch a thief, um, it's a good way to go. It's, it's Hitchcock that you don't, you don't, if you're watching it, not even thinking about who's directing this movie, you're not going to guess Hitchcock right away. No, it's it's a de- definite departure for him. Yeah, but um, I mean, but it's, once you see him in the movie, it's but pretty clear. There is still some Hitchcock shots. There's um, this the shot where uh, Grace Kelly's face is completely covered, and you just see the necklace. Mm. Um, and then, of course, the fireworks scene is you know probably the most infamous. And I think the rooftop sequences, like oh, the, yeah. the 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 interchange, has always been like it's it's harkening back to his lodger days and stuff. So. Yeah, and there's a great shot too of. Uh, when Grant is in his room and Grace Kelly comes in is accusing him of stealing her mother's jewel. Mm-hmm. Like when the door opens and it just silhouettes him. Oh, it's yeah. This amazing. Brian's um, is great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I watched a couple more Kate Blanchett movies. I watched bandits, which I haven't seen in a while, um, which I'm glad it was on Netflix because there's a Blu-ray, but it's always like 25 bucks. Mm-hmm. That's really expensive. Um, but in it, she's um, this board housewife, Bruce Willis and Billy Bob Thornton are bank robbers. Well, they become bank robbers and it's kind of a zany 
heist movie, I guess, for lack of a better word. Um, it's pretty good. I think it's a little long. I think it's almost two and a half hours. I think it's a little too long and she goes away for a long time. Um, but it's, it's fun. Uh, it's Bruce Willis when he is still kind of fun to watch and, uh, yeah. And, and she's, she's beautiful in the film. Um, and then, uh, I also watched Ponyo, which is, it's a cute little movie. Uh, she, it's, it's, these ones are always hard when I do these, um, specific actors because she's not really in it, but she's really important to the movie. Um, but it, it, when you, no, she's watch, in it like for 10 minutes. Yeah. Uh, but when you watch a Miyazaki movie, it's really about the animation because the animation is stunning. Um, you know, it's really cool when I, it's uh, the Blu-ray take, took up my whole 60 inch screen. So it didn't have any black bars on it. So it, I'm getting like the full effect of this film. And um, the scene where Ponyo comes out and is running across the water and the yeah, the ride of the Valkyrie yeah, scene. Yeah, is um, is pretty uh, fantastic. And then there's some there's some really cute moments when uh, they get on the little boat, and uh, it's just a cute movie. Um, it's it, it it's one of those films where you're like, oh, this is like a harmless movie. You know, it's just a cute film. Um, yeah, harmless meaning that it's just. It's just, it's, yeah, I mean, you, know, you could have said like groundbreaking, beautiful, mm, well executed, uh, harmless, ground, groundbreaking, That's pretty blase, uh, groundbreaking. No, because I think the story is a little, uh, flimsy, a little mermaid. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So it's not groundbreaking. I think the animation is stunning. Um, but yeah, it's about a little boy who finds a fish person and, she becomes a real person because she heals him and gets blood in her mouth. And yep. <laughs> Brad's reactions to this are my favorite part of this review. <laughs> Cause he's I mean, like, I haven't seen it since the theater. So I'm like, Oh, I guess we all yeah, know that Brad happens. hates Ponyo. I don't hate Ponyo. I just, it's, it's, Excuse me. I remember you once telling me, "Oh, you like that baby movie for babies?" <laughs> um, but yeah, if, if it's the animation for babies. Done. No, it's it's a it's a really simple movie. And yeah, that's what I it's mean supposed with, to be for younger audiences, Brad. That's why I mean that it's harmless because there's really no violence in it. It's just them falling in love with each other, and they're five. You know. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you can say falling in love, but uh, I mean, yeah. Uh, well, they, I mean, they just they form a connection. Um, she says, I love him. And she, he says, I love her quite a bit. Okay. Well, falling in love as much as like five-year-olds can. Uh, yeah. So anyways, it's beautiful. Uh, Kate Blanchett's vocal performance is great in it. Um, it's a prequel to Shape of Water. <laughs> totally is. No, it's not. <laughs> no, 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 no. Mind blown. Uh, but see it for the animation. Brad's episode. The fish person is the... Other in the shape of water, the fish person is the guy, and this the fish person is the woman. I think I figured out how to get Corinne all worked up. Is when you say a Miyazaki film, it's okay. Fuck all of you people. Miyazaki <laughs> movies are amazing, and y'all don't appreciate them. Nature has hermaphroditic creatures. Like you don't know. Look at you being all like limited in your gender <laughs> bias. Uh, I gave it four out of five stars. I still think it's a great film. Yeah. It's just. You well, know. It's a good theater watch, actually. Yeah, no, she not, only like saved the world twice. No big deal. I mean, it's not the Little Mermaid, so you know that's what it is. Read my entire Ponyo review on the Real Nerds website. 
under the catching the Miyazaki classic subhead. I did read it after I watched it. And I no, go, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the listeners. I'm sure you've read it, but yeah. listeners, check it out. Miyazaki movies are amazing. Uh, and uh, just a quick couple things. Uh, I rewatched Billy Madison. Uh, Billy Madison to me is the pinnacle of Adam Sandler's humor because it is so bizarre. I mean, get get over the fact that he's just going back to school to take over his dad's company. Uh, there's a part where a clown falls and gets a hemorrhage in his head, but then shows up at the end of the movie after he's dead. Uh, there's a part where he chases an invisible penguin that Chris Farley makes out without at the end of the movie. Um, there's, it's just the most bizarre movie, but it's so funny. Uh, if you, if, if you don't like Adam Sandler, you won't like it. If you don't like his humor, you won't like it because this is the most Adam Sandler, Adam Sandler movie. Uh, it's, there's a musical number and it's, it's just, it's funny. It's, I love it. Uh, yep. Every, everybody's going to treat you nice and respectable like <laughs> Mr. Penguin. <laughs> um, but I mentioned before when I was watching The Office, I loved that uh, Michael Scott has his own brand of dressing um, in the background. And today when I was watching Billy Madison and he picked up his nudie magazines, I saw that the publishing company is called Blue Balls Publishing. <laughs> I thought it was really funny. Um, just a, a little uh, jab there. Uh, I've never uh, noticed that before. <laughs> neither did I. And I saw it today. Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> it's uh, when he picks up the magazine Drunk Chicks and he holds it like really high up uh, in the bottom corner. It says Blue Balls Publishing. It's funny. The power uh, the, of Blu-ray. <laughs> yeah, the power of Blu-ray. Uh, and the last thing I watched is Last Action Hero, which is the most underrated Schwarzenegger film ever. Um, it's funny. Yeah, because Charles Dance is in it. Charles Dance. He's a great villain in it. He's amazing in that movie. Um I've just killed someone. <laughs> Shut up! Who's going to stop me? Um, you know, there, there's a part in that film that my friend Brandon and I just play off each other constantly. And it's with Charles Dance. And it's when uh, Schwarzenegger goes to his home or the uh, Vivaldi's home. And he said, uh, he, he knocks on the door and the butler answers. And he says, it's a drug dealer home. He says, excuse me, it's a beautiful day and we're out killing drug dealers. Are there any home? <laughs> uh, and it's just off the wall humor where he, you know, Charles Dan says, make no mistake. They're exceptionally well-trained. He's talking about dogs and he snaps his fingers and then they make a pyramid. <laughs> it's just, I fucking love this movie. The movie's brilliant and it's, it's way ahead of its time. It's way ahead of its time. And I love it. It needs to be 4K. Watching the Blu-ray today, it, that transfer is not that good on Blu-ray. It needs a new one bad. Perfect for Shout Select. Yeah. Ryan, really quickly, you were talking about Raimi and his pinnacle. Mm-hmm. When I watched, re-watched the first, rewatching the first Coen Brothers' first three films, in each of those films, there is a Raimi shot. The moment that Sonnenfeld leaves and uh, Deacons enters, that shot goes away. Hmm. So it's you know what I'm talking about. It's yeah. floating to the woods one. They do it in uh, Blood Simple more than once. They do it in Raising Arizona a ton, and they do it once in Miller's Crossing, and then once Sonnenfeld leaves, <laughs> that shot never appears. Up <laughs> again. I, I wish Raimi directed more. I mean, I, his really last thing he directed was uh, Oz. So yeah. he's coming but, back, y'all. Yeah, back. I mean, I mean, I think him directing Doctor Strange is a great move. That's yeah. gonna be awesome. So there's a YouTube uh, clip of Last Action, Last Action Hero's opening sequence remastered in 4K. But if you go to the settings, the highest quality you can watch it at is, four, is 1080p. So I don't think it's actually remastered in 4K. <laughs> nope. So, yeah, Better than 144p. 
So I hope uh, Columbia's uh, second volume of Studio Classics will include Last Action Hero. Um, Yeah, that's what I watched this week. Uh, This week on Real Nerds, we went back to 1990. We went to the jungle, but a different kind of jungle, one called the Concrete Jungle, where a deadly alien comes down to Earth and fights Danny Glover. And Gary Busey. And Gary Busey. (laughs) And... Jamaican drug lords and Colombian drug guys. Of course, we're talking about... Are you going to put in the trailer, Brad? Uh, in, in post, yeah. Okay, uh, here's a trailer for Predator. Dos. Los Angeles, 1997. It's the hottest summer on record. Pollution is choking the city. The gangs control the streets. It has not been a nice day! As bad as things are, they're about to get worse. Much worse. Whoever killed him is going to pay. I'm going to finish it. It has almost no weight. But it cuts like steel. Incredible. Whoever did this took out four men armed with machine guns by hand. You don't know what you're dealing with. Other world life forms drawn by heat and conflict. He's on safari. Lions. Tigers. The bears. Oh my. Gary Busey, Ruben Blades, Maria Conchita Alonso, Bill Paxton. Predator 2. He's in town with a few days to kill this Thanksgiving. Uh, Predator 2 takes place in the future, 1997 Los Angeles. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, I know, yeah. that took me like half a second when I saw that. I was like, wait a minute, this was made in 1990. <laughs> do you not ask us what we thought ahead of the trailer anymore? Well, I didn't know if we were still going to do that for retro reviews. Yeah, it doesn't so really make wouldn't. sense. Okay. Okay, hang on. Uh, Brad, should people see Predator 2? I don't know. It's uh, it's definitely not as good as or entertaining as uh, the first original Predator. Um, cause I don't know. I think the dialogue in this is horrible, <laughs> like really bad. Uh, the, I, I like how they're trying to compare, like do the, the concrete jungle, uh, metaphor, but, uh, I'm not sure why the predator is there. Like his motivations. Uh, Remember, they're drawn by heat and conflict. 109 <laughs> degrees in Los Angeles. There's a war going on. Didn't you listen to the the tabloid reporter? There's a war going on down there. Morton Downey Jr. Morton Downey yeah. Downey Jr. Uh, yeah just... That could be a drinking game. Take a shot every time they say something about how there's a war going on. I was surprised that the original writers of the original Predator wrote this movie because it seems like someone else made this movie. Um, so, yeah, the dialogue's terrible. Uh, the motivations, a lot of the characters, and even the predator, like I think, betrays the 
the motivations of the predator, but I'll explain more as we get closer to really reviewing it. Uh, Corinne, I'm shocked that you saw this film. Have you seen the first Predator? Nope. So, uh, did you like Predator Two? It was okay. It wasn't the best movie I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It just it just felt very like. I mean, I would say cliche, but it, I don't know. It's just kind of by the numbers, I guess. It's pretty much like a stock action horror movie of, you know, oh, something trite about him being like a rogue cop who, you know, he he get, he gets stuff done and he has results, but, you know, he's also just kind of like does his own thing and doesn't play by the rule book and like fuck the... <laughs> that's a fuck the police but you know fuck the police chief i guess um but i th- i thought like once they moved away from like the police stuff and they focused more on the predator like the suspense elements and the action it was watchable <laughs> <laughs> zach should people see predator i didn't too? lose brain cells watching it how about that that i mean i wouldn't even uh that's how a you compliment know? I mean, I lose brain cells when I watch The Blacklist, so this was a step up, I guess, from that. That's all all the validation Predator 2 needs. (laughs) At least the most recent episode of The Blacklist. Zach? Um, So I, prior to watching it last night, I told Brad I haven't seen this movie since I watched Predator 1 and 2 back-to-back. When I, because this was, I was also the same time I'd seen the first Predator um, and I remember being mad on it. Rewatching it last night, I had a lot of fun with it. Um, it's that first thirty to forty-five minutes with the gang war is strange, but I don't really care. It it certainly doesn't work today. Let's be very clear. This the Jamaican gang and the Venezuelan gang do not work today. However, there's some really goofy shit going on that I had a fun a lot of fun with. I think the Predator stuff is awesome. I think the subway scene is pretty cool. Um, it's very strange how this movie's written by um, consideration for what the first one is. But um, yeah, I, um, I had fun with it. So I, I sure. Why not? If you've got the money and the time, pop it on. I, I, I love the predator and while predator two, isn't as cool as predator one. I think predator, the first predator is it's my favorite Schwarzenegger film, but uh, predator two is still a lot of fun. Um, there's some Wait, moments in what did you say Predator is your favorite Schwarzenegger film and you just watched Last Action Hero? Yeah. Okay. Last Action Hero is a little too long. I think it needs to be edited towards the end of it. Okay. Um, but it doesn't mean it's not a brilliant movie. I still think it's brilliant. Um, but yeah, no, uh, Predator is and my favorite. He's pretty mint in that movie. In uh, in Last Action Hero, like I feel like. Yeah, like I think Charles Dance brings more of the flavor. No if you way. Know what I mean. No way. Schwarzenegger is playing himself, making fun of himself while he's in a movie starring himself. That is the most amazing turn he's ever had in a film. Eh. It's not. It's just because he's not watching him in Maggie or something. It's just because it's not British. He is amazing <laughs> in Last Action Hero. He is the best part of Last Action Hero, hands down. What? Okay, yeah. we're just going to have to move past that because yeah. I'm going to fight you because it's Charles Dance. But anyway, mm, no. Schwarzenegger's not in Predator 2, though. Danny Glover is. Yeah, uh, well, you know, it's funny. I uh, So I love Predator 2. Um, I watched it on Ultra HD uh, today, 
And what's really cool when you watch an Ultra HD is you see the little uh, details in the Predator's armor, uh, in his face, and in the Predators at the end. Like the Elder Predator, his uh, his mandibles are longer, and his like uh, hair sticking out of him is longer. Uh, just little details that I never caught before. Um, but yeah, it's it's a serviceable movie. You know, if you go into it realizing you're just watching an action film, that it's cool. And I started doing some research preparing for today's podcast, and uh, the subway scene is in the first comic series. So the writers really loved that moment. So they incorporated it into the film. Um, and uh, I read an interview with Stan Winston in this film. He really wanted to showcase the predator's weapons more um, where in the first predator uh, Brad would know, and I'm sure you know too, Zach is uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme was originally cast as the predator yeah. and the predator design was way different and they had to come up with a better design. And so they were rushed. And so he only had a few weapons. And this one, Stan Winston really wanted to bring home, you know, the smart disc, the spear. Um, he can't really breathe on Earth. That's why he has the respirator. Uh, it's kind of, uh, so they upped the Predator. But the, the one thing I don't like, um, and I read an interview with Schwarzenegger. He was actually supposed to be the Gary Busey character in this. And he hated that's, the script. Oh, man. I That's amazing you said that because one of my, one of the, I was watching this movie, like I really wish, like how cool would it have been if you didn't see Gary Pusey until the, you know, the the third half of the movie, and they show up and explain, like we've been tracking this guy since the first movie. But yeah, that's Pusey's character. I was just like, oh, this should be Schwarzenegger. Yeah, but uh, Schwarzenegger hated the script. He didn't like the director, and uh, so he said no. I mean, if you go back now and make like. Uh, a movie with Schwarzenegger playing Dutch and he's been hunting predators forever would be awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, you know, I was thinking, you know, the elder predator throws Danny Glover, that gun from 1715. I think it'd be sweet to go back to like the revolutionary war or, you know, really long time ago and have the predator fight people back. Cowboys then. versus predators. Heck yeah. Um, I, I just think it'd be interesting because with the predator still have the same technology or would their technology be more archaic too. Um, I imagine they would because like that's the thing that like frustrates me about this movie is because at the end did we already do the trailer part? Yeah, we did it, and then you wanted me to tell you. I'll slice it later. Part. Yeah, uh, but yeah, uh, they're warriors and they look for like a good battle. So if they were in Revolution War times, obviously they would totally <laughs> outmatch Revolutionary War soldiers. They just like yeah off the mop the floor with them. So would they? toss aside their high-tech stuff and fight them hand-to-hand. They probably would because it's all about the hunt for them. It's not about over... I mean, their weapons are superior, but they're still hunting them. I mean, that's... uh, I mean, in Predator 2, that Predator is hunting Danny Glover. So that's uh, that's why he's killing his friends. Yeah. So that's why he's killing his friends. Although I'm not sure why he thinks Danny Glover is such a, like a fearsome opponent like right off the bat because he's got guns like every, every yeah. one of the street gang guys. I but... guess just because he did that one maneuver at the beginning of the shootout. Yeah, drove mm-hmm. a car into everybody. Yeah, <laughs> so tactical. Which, which, by the way, before we get too far into it, you know, um, I told Brad this because I finally figured it out, Ryan. We know now why you can't always be on the show each week. It's because you're living Predator 2. This is basically in Idaho Springs. Predator Two is happening nearly every week. Totally. Yeah, I know. How did you know? Underground cavern. How many times? (laughs) How did you know? Um, But yeah, it's. uh, You know what's funny though? Like I like how this film is trying to start the what could be the expansion of that universe. mm -hmm. Now, granted, it doesn't really 
play through in any other sequel. But like, I like that moment at the end where they're in there and it's suddenly revealed all the predator elders are there. So it's just like, Mm -hmm. Oh, there is more. This world is opening up. I think the back half of this movie is really, really like well, not well constructed, but like well executed. I mean, it's, I I love the character predator. So I'm, I'm a apologist, just like Friday the 13th. Mm -hmm. I'll always find merits in any of them. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I I think it's a fun movie and um, I would tell everybody to watch it because uh, you know me, I'm a sucker for violence and for cool monsters. So yeah, it's right oh, up my the alley. Violence in this is a lot of fun. I forgot how fun the violence is in this film. It's mm-hmm. I actually think they're playing the horror angle in this one a lot more than they even do in that. Oh part. yeah. And that first one's kind of supposed to be a stalker kind of kind of character for the first part of the movie, um, without him being too much in focus. Mm-hmm. Um, Gary Busey has my favorite moment in this movie. I completely forgot he was in this movie when he comes back and just go and, and just starts blasting away i just imagine that's how gary Busey's fighting coronavirus right now he's out in the front yard and he's just blasting away at what he assumes coronavirus is which is a predator and um and then he gets cut in half by the coronavirus but you know it's gary Busey. he'll come back um and then that um <laughs> uh that uh that scene in the old woman's bathroom where he's just concocting his weapons and whatnot it's just a it's a fun expose on what Stan Winston and the effects team were able to do with this character. So like, it's a small moment. Like it's not even like his most like badass moment. It's just like this tiny moment. Um, and uh, Hal Rail, um, the guy who does the voice of the predator in this one, instead of Peter Cohen, um, he's a, he's the guy who did that um, radio thing uh, that Brian Cummings invited me to. Um, so he, but he, that's one of his big like voice credits is voicing predator and predator Two. Um. So, um, but yeah, this movie's fun. Sorry, I can hear my side note. The only reason I know who Gary Busey is is because I watched Celebrity Fit Club on VH1 when I was a tween. Is this the only reason you know him now? Yeah, I I loved his. uh, I don't think I've ever seen a movie with him in it other than this. You need to watch Lethal Weapon. Mm-hmm. I've never seen Lethal Weapon or Silver Bullet. Um, nope. Yeah, I, Silver Bullet. Yeah. I love. Uh, he used to be on this reality show called On with Busey. It was the, he was so crazy in it. You guys told me he about was this. crazy on Celebrity Fit Club. I oh, remember yeah. that. Well, yeah, it's, he's a uh, he's an the, the interesting way, character. Yeah, he well the, his motorcycle accident did a lot of stuff. Lions, tigers, bears. Oh my! <laughs> <laughs> Is that some of the dialogue you love, Brad? Oh my God! There's there's worse <laughs> stuff than that. Oh, uh, that was so stupid. There's a, a lot of stuff in the uh, the police uh, station. Yeah. Um, I, I think uh, Danny Glover like made some, like I said, some cliche line, but they changed it to something else for the last line. It's just like, what? It didn't make any sense. I love when uh, he's in the uh, like chief's office and it's a computer saying, he is violent. He has violent tendencies. Disobedient. What about the only guy who's ever got accommodations? For- <laughs> like, and then it pans over and he's sitting right there too. And just like, yeah. and why like is a computer voice reading it? Like, why does it? I don't get it. And then yeah, the, I'm telling you, all the stuff in the police station was stupid. And then uh, that one guy who's like above. Uh oh. Did I sign? I got signed out. You're right, still you're there. Sure. I can see you. All right, whatever. 
also, we're good. Um, in that police station where somebody's saying like your license is expired, and it's like, are they? Is there prostitution licenses in, in the Predator Two LA? <laughs> yeah. But, by the way, this is 1997 LA. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, seven years after the first movie, or no, ten years after the first movie. Yeah. I but, love that uh, they still have late '80s cars in it too. Yeah. yeah, they have all this like super futuristic like like gun technology, and then like they have like, like the RoboCop computers, and uh, they have that <laughs> the cliche like LA is falling apart, like gang warfare. That's of that time is so silly. And Martin um, Downey Jr. turned into a completely different type of asshole reporter. I mean, this this world, like, it exists in the same universe as like RoboCop Three, um, <laughs> Last Action Hero. Uh, uh, Demolition Man, <laughs> Escape Demolition from LA. It's time. Yeah. Um, I don't know I, why I thought this took place in NYC, but I was just waiting for Vincent to pop out again. Uh, it was supposed to. I, just, right? I figured, you know, we would just have like a thematic thing going with like, you know, people running around in the dark in New York City in 1990. You know, the only thing I think my most disappointing part in this movie is the Predator went down like a bitch. Because he literally holds up his spear and gets hit by lightning, and it just makes him like scream louder. I remember then, watching it just being like, "Did that predator just get hit by lightning?" Yeah, and then he gets like stabbed by Danny Glover and dies. I'm like, well, dude. with his own disc thing, I guess. But well, no, I understand that, but he literally took a bolt of lightning. Danny, get down! Yep. He also got shot like six times. He did. Chest. Um, uh, and his arm cut off. I guess. I did. I, even I, who hasn't seen the first Predator, you know, they kind of gave you like a little mini recap of they were like, yeah, there was one in the jungle and like two guys cornered it and it blew itself up. And mm-hmm. so then, you know, when Danny Glover kills the one in this movie, I was like, wow, he actually managed to kill a Predator, not just he cornered it. And so it blew itself, you know. But he, like, he tried to blow himself off, off the roof, but then he fell through the, that bathroom. And then I guess his detonator just shut itself off. <laughs> no, because... Uh, Danny Glover cut, chopped off his arm, so it fried his the sequence. So it's connected from the arm to his to, arm uh, itself. No, he cut. Is his, that what he was doing? He cut. I didn't yeah, get that. Yeah, so he cut off his arm, and he cut the bomb off too. So like okay. he sliced his. Arm I didn't know what it. he was doing when it was yeah. like bleep 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 bleep. And, and I guess like, if you just I don't know. I guess and... he's like calling a ship or something. No, he's detonating himself. It was. It, it was. If I'm going down, I'm taking you with me. So I guess yeah, if you, crush, you and 300 city blocks. So I guess if you crush up drywall, he <laughs> mix it together. It like makes a good band aid. Uh, with his electric blue bonding solution, dude. <laughs> good thing there's some drywall there. He's smart. Yeah. And and also he was able to kind of take over this predator kind of easily because he took off his mask and he, when, once you take off their mask they lose their power that's how the that's how the movies work and he also called him pussy. Uh, well <laughs> no uh the predator and the first predator took off his mask because he's like i'm gonna fight schwarzenegger mano y mano oh yeah so that, never mind just, danny glover's just really good at fighting we haven't talked enough like, about i have fun with him in this movies. <laughs> We haven't talked enough about Bill Paxton. It's like horrible. Oh, oh God. Uh, it sounds like he was like dubbed in it in the edit <laughs> character. Oh, yeah. uh, Wait, who was like Bill Paxton? Movie entirely. He was the guy who's the like... The rookie. Yeah, surveillance. That's my specialty. Oh, the one who gets killed in the subway? Yeah. yeah he's like, yeah, tries to take him on with a... Golf ball. Was golf that ball. was a cool sequence. Where, yeah, where the golf... Like, did they set up the golf ball? 
Yeah, he has it on him all the time. He's always throwing it up and down. I yeah. never even noticed. See, well, this movie's deeper than you thought, Brad. <laughs> when he's not because bra- when he's not bragging to the the female cop or assaulting Tony Pope, he's just chilling with his golf ball, just kind of tossing it around. Um, that subway sequence looks great on Blu-ray. I forgot. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, it looked really good. Like the effects hold up super well. Like, yeah. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I had fun with it. Yeah. If, I want to watch um, Shane Black's Predator one again now. I watched I, it recently. It's 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 fun. Yeah, I the invisibility watched. effects held up, but when I like at the very end, when all the other predators start coming in, it looked yeah. it looked so bad. It looked like they were like copy pasted over the fog, and yeah. you could like see where their legs were cut off. Yeah, when he's walking through yeah. the like when he finds that one gang guy in the alley and like the footsteps are going through the water like that's awesome mm-hmm. but then yeah the fog Willie. at the end is just like oof King Willie Brad he'll see you now <laughs> you guys should really cut down <laughs> I, I just don't like why are the <laughs> predators chasing all these these gang leaders uh, so weird they're, they're a like, device to get you to the predator which I totally get I, I, they don't, it doesn't bother me as, I, as much as I thought it would when I was kicking back into the first five minutes I'm like oh I forgot about this they're fine. Uh, no, guys. Remember, the Predator was on at the war at the beginning, and he found that uh, Danny Glover and his friends would investigate what the Predator's doing. So then he went to the other place to kill those guys because he knew he would show up. He it's goes all to the part penthouse. of the game. He goes to the one in the penthouse where he's just like, that one gang is fucking that lady. And I don't know. I, the, the, the Predator being there ahead of them just seems weird. Because he's, he's making sure Danny Glover shows up. He's the ultimate prize here. And then the predator doesn't I don't know. take his little hook thing back. So he comes back like two days later when Danny Glover's buddy. I think it's the same to, day. Same day. Uh, it seemed like it was two or three days later. Time's an illusion in this movie. And I don't <laughs> choose to question it whatsoever. Like, the, uh, the, the scene in the graveyard, like I liked how they were emulating certain shots from Predator 1 in terms of just exemplifying the heat of LA mm-hmm. and how it's a jungle atmosphere and stuff. Um, oh, and I want a piece of candy. <laughs> yeah, good it's stuff. A good like it's good a stuff. ghost. Oh, that edit too. After he chops off King Willie's head and is walking away with it, that's still a good edit. That that's a good a cut. Movie. Yeah, that's solid. Movie's awesome. Yeah, Anytime I feel like is... there should have been like a slightly longer dating ma at the end because. And like the chopper comes down and that one guy says something and dating Glover just says some like one liner and then the credits roll. And I'm like, what can I get like a little bit longer check in on the female cop? Like it's almost sure. exactly how the first one was. Something. It was he, weird. He, he makes it perfectly clear. They'll get another chance at this predator guy. Like that. They will have it. And they do. Mm-hmm. Trust me. They do. Cause I I honestly thought the I don't know maybe it was just like when I watched it I was just distracted or something but I when I watched it I was like wait is he talking about the predators will get another chance of the humans or the humans will get another chance of the predators? It's both. Both. Because see, predators much like man are savages. Yes. Man much like predators are stealthy. I don't. <laughs> um, Danny Glover understands the game now. That's what yeah. it's like. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I kind of want a Predator 3 with Danny Glover. Not going to lie. <laughs> like, I would love... if hey, they had... He's too old for this shit. <laughs> you know what? As we've learned through how many Lethal Weapon movies, four of them? No, he was never too old for it. He was too tired. He's not too old. Um, 
You yeah, know, no, if I'm one gonna... good thing came out of this movie, it was that it made me realize how much I miss Danny Glover because I used to watch Angels in the Outfield all the time as a kid. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, man, Danny Glover, he was He's awesome. Still in movies. He used to be in mm-hmm. stuff. And Corinne, you owe it to yourselves to watch the Lethal Weapon movies. Not all of them are great. Mm-hmm. The first two are great. The, the third one's fine. Fourth one's okay. But they're fun, and he's fun in them. Mm-hmm. As it is, is to retirement. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Joe Pesci's in three of them. So there you go. You get a little comedy there, like your Home Alone comedy there. And Rene Russo's in two of them. Uh, Chris Rock's in one of them. Jet Li's in one of them. You're really not selling me on this. <laughs> I think I, <laughs> Just go back to Danny Glover. Just Danny, Danny Glover. Glover. Danny Glover was most <laughs> recently in Jumanji, The Next Level. That's right. Oh, that's right. Yeah. He's oh, and uh, sorry, he wasn't sorry to bother you. Not for a long time, but he was there. Yeah, well, that was two years ago. Yeah. Uh, the Dead Don't Die, that was last year. And he's in Lock and Key. Yeah. Um, he, he found out where the K2K gang was and uh, took down a, a certain uh, mad engineer who was trying to teach people lessons with traps. No. He's in another oh. The Lighthouse, apparently, that's in the works. Announced. <laughs> The lighthouse. Oh, we just did that. No. All right. Uh, next week, uh, maybe an extraction, or maybe someone will suggest something too. Um, thanks for listening. Yeah. Um, see you soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast. Real Nerds Podcast is a production of Neighborless Visions Multimedia. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. And a big shout out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening and have a nice day. It hurts my ball sack. <laughs>